0: So Luke two, twenty-two through 35. Let's give our attention to God's word. It says, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves. All men, all mankind are like grass, and that all man's glory is like the flower of the field, and grass withers and flowers fade away, but God's word stands forever. So let me pray for us uh, before we look at it more tonight. Father, as we have uh, done every week, we do so again. We want to stop. After we've read your word, we want to ask you To teach it to us, to apply it to us. Uh, Father, we believe that for that to happen, it has to be your work. So, would you be here and do that? Open our ears so that we can hear, so that we can hear from you words of life. Uh, Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, the phrase bucket list is one that I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with. But it's actually fairly new. It's only been around for about 15 years or so. And uh, it comes from the, uh, the phrase, a uh, guy was writing a movie called The Bucket List. Good, all right. Using your context clues. And uh, it comes from the phrase uh, that he basically, he wanted to write down the things that he wanted to do before he kicked the bucket, right? And thus, bucket list. Uh, kick the bucket being a euphemism for, uh, for dying, Um, In the last few weeks, we've had some conversations, I've had conversations with some of you about phrases uh, that you use that mean very different things from the way I would use them. So making sure we define our terms. Um, And so that phrase is pretty common to us these days. And it usually, right, it refers to things that you want to do or someone wants to do before they die. And it's usually something like, I want to travel to Europe, or I want to skydive before I die, right, something like that. Uh, The idea being that it's some sort of experience that's so great, you you just don't want to miss it. And that's actually a little bit of what we what we see going on here in this passage. We have a guy, uh, this guy named Simeon, that experiences something so great. He experiences something so great that he says after he experiences, he says basically, "Okay, I'm good now. Nothing can top this. I can, I, can, I can go out in peace. And what was it? What was it that he experienced? Because the whole point of this story is certainly, it's not, a, it's not about Simeon. It's about what he experienced, which was that he, he met Jesus. He got to meet Jesus. And so tonight, in just a, a very few minutes, we're going to look at two things very quickly that we learn in this passage about Jesus. What is it about this experience, about this person, that Simeon experienced that's so great? Two things. We're going to look at first, that Jesus is the consolation of Israel. We're going to explain that. Secondly, this is a terrible title, but best I could do. Secondly, we're going to look at how Jesus being the consolation of Israel It's not going to look like what you expect. So those two things real quick. First, the consolation of Israel. So very quickly, the setting we have Mary and Joseph. They have had their baby. They've had Jesus. And it's been about six weeks since they've had Jesus. Six weeks old. And it's time for them now, according to the Old Testament, it's time for them to go to the temple and do a couple of things. Uh, number one, to perform the rites of cleansing for Mary from having given birth. Uh, because of giving birth, you're ceremonially unclean. And so you've got to go through this ritual. So they go to do that. And to present a sacrifice on behalf of, uh, on behalf of their firstborn, Jesus, as was commanded in the Old Testament. So they go to do that. And they, they have this, this really odd experience of this uh, stranger... Coming up to them, this guy that we uh, know as Simeon, he comes up to them and he, uh, the text tells us that Simeon was a devout man. He was righteous. Uh, he, He was a faithful lover of God. And that God had promised him, God had spoken to Simeon and said, told him that you will not die until you get to see the Messiah. Right. Basically the great hero that I've been promising for hundreds of years. You're not going to die until you get to see him. And then the the Holy Spirit leads him, you know, in some way leads him to the temple this day that Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus. And the Holy Spirit somehow speaks to him and says, that's him. And so he walks up and he uh, presumably asks, but he takes the baby he, he, he holds Jesus in his arms, and he's absolutely overcome by this experience. And he begins to pray, he just breaks out into praise. He praises God. And he says, He can die in peace now. God's kept his word. And I want you to notice, uh, look in verse 25. Notice how he describes Jesus, or we get the description of Jesus. It says that Simeon has been waiting for the consolation of Israel. So what in the world does that mean? Well, the the Greek word is often uh, in the uh, the Greek version of the Old Testament. That Greek word that we have, consolation, it's often translated as something like comfort. And it's often the picture of comforting someone uh, that's, uh, that's suffering in some way, that's lost a loved one, something like that. So it's the idea of comforting, of great comfort. Uh, there's a passage where is it's Isaiah 66, verse 13. And it's a passage that's talking about the Messiah coming. And it uses this word, consolation, comfort. Uh, and it says this, um, that as, uh, as one whom his mother comforts, God says, so I will comfort you. Like a mother comforts their child so God will comfort his people. And what I want you to see in this first point is that is the picture of who and what Jesus is and what he's come, what he came and is doing as the consolation of Israel. uh, Look, it's a scene that's happened so many times at our house and no doubt in your house growing up. We can't even count it. Right. especially when our kids were younger. Uh, one of our, you know, kid skins his knee, falls down the driveway, skins his knee, and what do we do? Right, one of us runs over there and says, "Get up, quick!" Run. No, you run over there and and we scoop him up, right? You scoop up your kid and you hold him close, and you say, "What?" They're, they're you know, they're crying, they're in, they're just inconsolable, seemingly. And what do you, you say? Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're okay, you're okay. I'm here. I'm right here. It's it's all going to be okay. Right? That's the picture. That's the picture of Jesus being the consolation. Uh, The overarching picture of what Jesus has come to do is that. He's come to make everything okay again. He's come to say to the world, I'm right here. It's going to be okay. I've come to fix all the brokenness. I've come to make it all better. It's a beautiful picture. And look, it's, it's not just, and just is in a like, big quotation mark. It's not just, forgiving sins, right? That's, that's an enormous deal. It, it is that, and it's everything else too. He's come to fix it all. And doesn't that sound good, right? I know, I know that that's what everyone in this room, including myself, I know that's what every one of us wants, whether you're a Christian or not. Everybody wants to know that it's just... That, it's going to be okay. The bad stuff's going to get fixed, because there's a lot of bad stuff, right? There's a lot of stuff that's not okay. Just in, right outside, right out there, there's so much violence in the world, and and <clears throat> sex trafficking, and abuse, and murder, and right. You could, we could go on and on. And then you have things like uh, that that aren't. Consciously evil, right? Just the the effects of the fall, disease and death, sickness, natural disaster. And then there's all the the stuff inside of us, right? The terrible things that I think, the terrible things that I do and then I say, the things I can't stop doing, the guilt, the worry, the fear. And I, I just want somebody to hold me and say it's going to be okay. And I want you to see that's the picture of what Jesus came to do. That because of Jesus' Jesus's birth, his life, his death, <clears throat> his resurrection, right? that is the only thing that will make it all okay. There's nothing else that will... That, there's nothing else that we can point to that you can find, that you can work up, that's going to make everything okay. And that's what Simeon got a tiny glimpse of. And then secondly, real quickly, I want you to see <clears throat> that it's actually not going to look like what we expect. because uh, So we see that Simeon had this Holy Spirit-inspired insight into something else uh, that he shared with Joseph and and. <clears throat> Goodness, in particular with Mary, right? Uh, look at... <clears throat> all right, that's why we're in this. <clears throat> look at verse 34. Maybe it won't help. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, <clears throat> gosh. Verse 34 says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed... And a sword will pierce through your own, your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What a weird thing to say, right? Such an odd thing to say. And I want you to think about this. So Mary and Joseph, up to this point, we've read some of them tonight. They've heard a fair amount of things, of, of actually Holy Spirit-inspired things about their baby, about Jesus. Um, they've heard things from, oh, angels, From family members like Elizabeth and Zachariah, and from random shepherds, and they've all been, and we're going to put this one in quotes, positive things, right? Things like uh, your baby is from God, born of the Holy Spirit, that he's come to save people from their sins, that um, uh, that he's going to be king forever on the throne of David, right? Those sorts of things. But now they hear something that's not so easy to hear. And it's basically, I think we could sum it up like this that there are going to be a lot of people that oppose your son. There are going to be a lot of people that oppose him, and it's going to be really difficult. And and in so many ways, it's not going to look like what you think it's going to look like. And particularly for Mary, it's going to be painful. All right, so what's the deal with that? Look, it might seem terrible um, at first, but I want you to think about it for just a second with me. So Mary is going to have, like what he's talking about particularly, right? Mary's going to have this experience, this horrendous experience of all sorts of people hating her son, but it's going to culminate in, in watching her son hang on a cross and experience unbelievable suffering. And she's going to be there watching it. And no doubt, right, as she experiences that, no doubt she's going to think, how does this make any sense? What in the world can make sense of this suffering? The suffering that he's going through that I'm experiencing? Why in the world would this happen? But I want you to think about this. This is awesome. Almost certainly the reason that we have this recorded in this passage is because Luke talked to Mary, right? And she told him, which means she remembered it. So in that moment, and we're we're reading between the lines a little bit, but it means that in that moment, when she's experiencing that, that sword going right through her, that at least she has some vague idea. What does that look like? I don't know. But she's got some sense of as, As unexplainable as this is. He is still. He is still. The consolation of Israel. Somehow. Even though the sword is going through my soul. Somehow. He is the one. That's going to make everything okay. Even this. And look. You and I we have unbelievable benefit, right? Of being able to know actually a lot more that that, that Jesus hanging on that cross, experiencing God's wrath is actually exactly how he is the consolation of Israel, right? It was the very fact that he hung himself on that cross because what he did was he took all of the brokenness, all of the not okayness, He took it all on himself, all the sin, all of God's wrath for that sin, all the disease and the death and the dysfunction. He took it all on himself and he just wore it. And he did that so that he can look at us and say, I'm right here. It's going to be okay. going to be okay because i took it and look if you trust jesus that means that you can read your experiences through that same reality because if we're honest there's still a whole lot like if you're a believer here tonight you might very well be thinking okay he's going to make everything there's a lot not okay right now right we get to do the same thing in a sense that mary did because quite frankly it, it may not be okay before you die Because losing people it still hurts. Getting sick is still miserable. Doing the same things over and over again that we don't want to do, it's still awful. But if you trust him, you, you and I can know that he's at work and that he's going to make it all okay. Because even if it's not okay in the here and now, you and I are actually still doing the same thing, which is waiting for a final consolation because Jesus is coming back. Again, Jesus is coming back. And let me end with Hebrews 9, 28. It says, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly await who are eagerly, goodness, who are eagerly waiting for him. Do you know the one that makes everything OK? Because he offers himself to you tonight. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you love us in such a way that you're able to look at us and say, you're going to make it okay. Every bit of it. Lord Jesus, we thank you for that and we pray that you will come back soon. And we pray it in your name. Amen.